This is Reimagining Higher Education, your go-to podcast with remarkable education leaders sharing personal stories from their experience in and around the sector, including reflection and hope for progress in the sector. With your host, Sir Eric Thomas, former Vice-Chancellor at the University of Bristol, President of Universities UK and Chair of the Worldwide University Network, and now Studiosity Advisory Board Member. Welcome. Welcome to all our listeners, and it's a particular pleasure for me to welcome Professor Karen Cox, Vice-Chancellor of the University of Kent, for this podcast. And we've got three fascinating subjects to explore with Karen. Uh, We're going to explore the leadership of a smaller university in comparison to Nottingham, a very big university, her previous university. We're going to explore the implications of Brexit uh, to her and to the university sector, and also, finally, what it's like uh, starting a new medical school. So uh, just a small agenda, Karen, nothing, uh, but really great welcome to you. Fantastic to see you. And I wonder if you could probably tell our, our, our audience just a little bit of your background, please. Great. Well, thanks, Eric. It's a pleasure to to, to speak with you and particularly on those subjects, because of course, all, all hugely important. Um, so, yes, I uh, joined the University of Kent as Vice Chancellor and President back in 2017. Um, and so been here nearly six years now. Um, prior to that, I was the Deputy Vice-Chancellor at the University of Nottingham. Um, but I came into um, universities and, and university leadership via a career in nursing and um, working in the NHS, um, particular speciality around cancer and palliative care. Um, and through that clinical route, um, took a, a more research-orientated approach and, and um PhD, um, spent a little bit of time in, in the States, and um, and then my career at Nottingham. And um, and I was at Nottingham for 23 years, Eric, which is quite scary, but wonderful, wonderful. I had huge support in terms of uh, developing my career there. Um, held every academic post, I think, from you know research assistant, research associate, research fellow, <laughs> lecturer, senior lecturer, professor, pro vice chancellor, then deputy vice chancellor, and then and then as I say, came to came to Kent and um, maintained my professional registration and, and uh, interest in, in nursing and health, and also sit on the um, board of the Nursing and Midwifery Council. That's that's a, a little potted history. If that's oh, helpful. brilliant, brilliant! I, I I don't think I've ever told you, Karen, but I actually did contemplate a career in palliative care. I was rather um, Dame Cicely Saunders was yeah. really uh, yeah. you know very high profile yeah, when I was a young junior doctor, and of course I ended up at the other end of the. Uh, <laughs> yes. Yes, the bringing into life. Yes, Karen. I I think what I wanted to talk to you about um, is running different sized institutions. I'll never forget uh, Shirley when she was vice chancellor of the University of Loughborough, and we were talking about leadership challenges. And she said, "Eric, you're in charge of a big institution, and actually." everything can't land on your desk because it would just be impossible for you to function. Whereas I'm in charge of an institution (laughs) where almost everything lands on my desk and I find it difficult to move away from that. And I wonder if that resonates with you Uh, a bit. That that does resonate, actually. I I mean, I think it is, um, it's, I mean, it's a huge privilege, isn't it, being able to to have leadership roles in in universities. But, But you're absolutely right. University of Nottingham, um, 
35,000 students roughly in the UK, and then of course the, the China and Malaysia campuses. Um, University of Kent, um, probably about half the, the, the number of students in the UK, and then the, the postgraduate study centres in, in Europe. So uh, different, different scope and different scale. Um, I think that there are, and there are pros and cons. So uh, I think in terms of my experience at Kent, I would say that there is um, an opportunity with a university of this size and, and scale to, to genuinely get to know staff and students in, a, in quite a different mm. way. Mm. Um, and I think, you know, good fortune is that we, we do have um, the campus here in Canterbury and our other campus at Medway. Um, which means that you know you do have genuinely a, a focal point and a, and a real sense of community because of the the facilities on campus on the campuses, people coming onto the campus and, and living on the campus as well. So you, you do have that that sense of community. Um, and I once described it as it feels like um, uh, being a, you can kind of get your arms around it. Whereas mm. of course at, at Nottingham it it, it was um, a, a significantly uh, different uh, size and, and scope and scale. So you you had to approach it quite quite differently. I think you're right about um, reflecting Shirley's experience. It, it does sometimes feel like that, um, that, that you're uh, dealing with everything from why, aren't, why isn't the invoicing system working um, right through to, you know, setting up new initiatives and, um, and, and working internationally. You know, there's, there's like absolutely everything, um, which in many ways I think is, it's not a bad thing for a leader to be able to experience what's going on right across mm. the whole institution. Mm. Um, and, and I think the trick there is then to work out where you have to put your time. Um, you also have to know that actually you've got a great senior team and colleagues across the institution who are much better placed to deal with things like the why are the invoices not working. Um, and to, to make sure that you don't get drawn into those areas where sure. actually there are people better placed to deal with them. And you do need to keep focused on the things that, that you should be uh, as a leader of an institution. I think the other thing just to say, Eric, is um, uh, it, it does mean that universities of this uh, size and, and scope and scale, at, at like Kent, ha can be actually quite agile because they have to be. You have mm. to move quite quickly on some things. You have to be very um, uh, creative about how you make resources go further because you have fewer of them. Um, and that makes you then kind of be able to, to do some things quite quickly and quite creatively that you might not be able to necessarily do in an institution of, of a much bigger size. You also have a, <clears throat> I mean, you have two things. You have a smaller city with which to, yeah, uh, yeah. which must be a much more intimate place. And the other very unusual thing for you, of course, is that that city is the centre of the Church of England. And you yes. have the, uh, <laughs> I remember a long, long time ago, uh, Karen, I don't know if you're, one of your predecessors was a professed atheist. Right. Which <laughs> apparently did Robin cause some Robin, local difficulties. Robin Simpson. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. I met, I met him just before he died. He was a wonderful character, actually. He was very, he reached out to me when um, he saw my uh, appointment and, um, and and invited me to, you know, I, I then replied and, and said, well, it would be wonderful just to, to say hello. And um, he invited me for a, a lunch, um, but it wasn't long before he died, unfortunately. But it was great right. to hear direct from him what the university was like in the, in the 90s. Yeah, absolutely. And um, 
Do you feel that you have a more intimate relationship with the city because the city is smaller, or is it much the same? I mean, Nottingham University is crucial for Nottingham, yes, um, but yes. University of Kent yes, is also crucial for uh, that part of Kent. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, I think uh, what Nottingham uh, has been doing um, both when I was there and, and now is, is hugely important in terms of um, its work with, with the city and the region. Um, and I think one of the things that some of the learnings I took from that was to to be um, thoughtful about how the university was was positioned within the county and, and the region and with the local community. Um, one of our strategic pillars is, is around our civic mission and um, particularly how do we um, engage more purposefully with our local communities. And that's not just about outreach in schools and colleges, it's about how do we share our knowledge and resources and um, and expertise actually with, with local communities, with businesses, um, working with partners to be able to bring um, resource into, into the county and sure. into the region. Um, so, so that's been one of the things I've worked uh, really quite hard on is not just building the relationships, but actually looking at what we can then do together that we couldn't do on our own. And, and the Canterbury, the Canterbury angle is, is, is interesting because of course it's also a, um, a, a, a historical seat of learning as well as it is as, mm. as part of the, mm. you know, the, the, the kind of Anglican communion. Um, so there's some really nice relationships that we do have with some of the those civic society elements, whether it's with the cathedral or with community groups or with, with, with businesses and charities and organisations that as I say, when we come together, we can do things really quite differently. I mean, the medical school would be an example of that. But we well, we'd that. go on to that, that yes. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it, 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 as time moves on, I, I remember some years ago now, maybe 10 or 12 or 15 years ago, that the University of Kent had this uh, thing that they were the Transmanche <laughs> University, that they, yeah. that they were so well placed geographically next to Europe that they were going to be an exemplar of yeah. how to. Um, yeah. And I just I haven't explored the implications of Brexit for higher education or. And I, and I thought that yours was an idea. This is an ideal opportunity yeah. Yeah. Uh, to to what what has it meant to you? Yeah. Oh, uh, uh, where to start, Eric? I mean, uh, so you're absolutely right. I mean, Kent had positioned itself as the, the UK's European University. It was a label, I think, that was given to it in one of the media outlets, I think, but but was absolutely um, authentic. Um, Kent has a long history of working in and across Europe and with European universities and, and European colleagues and, and European students. Um, and as a region, of course, Kent is is the, the, the kind of gateway into, into Europe. Um, mm. so the geography, there's the history. Um, many of our academic programmes have, have distinctive European elements to them. And, and then, of course, the, the postgraduate study centres that, that we have in, in Europe were also signals of, of that um, strength and relationship. So it was, it was genuine and it was, it was authentic. Um, we had significant numbers of, of EU students from the EU and, and staff. Um, that I have to say that has absolutely changed since um, the Brexit uh, referendum, um, and and I feel it's very sad. Um, yes. We of course have continued to 
to um, maintain and build our relationships across Europe with our European university colleagues. Uh, I would mention uh, Lille, Ghent and Leuven as, as three partners that we particularly work well with and, and have a, a commitment to, to um, building on, on those relationships. But um, we also still have our postgraduate study centres and, um, and we have strong um, teaching and research partnerships across Europe too. So that, of course, still remains. Um, but what we have seen is a massive reduction in the number of uh, students from the EU coming to study at the university, as many universities have experienced as well. But because we were um, so geographically close, because of the, of the history, we did have significant numbers from the EU, and that has right. all changed. Um, so it's changed, of course, it has an impact financially, but it has an impact in terms of the the way that um, diversity is, is kind of reflected throughout the university, it mm. is, it's different. Um, and, and I think many colleagues would um, acknowledge that as well, that it is something that we've, we've experienced in a, in a way that we would wish we hadn't had to. Um, as I say, we've continued to build the relationships and partnerships, but that, that loss of, of the inflow of, of students, I think, is, is something that we really do absolutely regret as one of the fallouts from that Brexit referendum. I mean, I was just thinking as you were talking there that, of course, students from India and students from the Americas and students from Southeast Asia tend to be anglophonic uh, uh, by almost by definition. They have to be. Whereas yeah. your European students bring European languages and, yes. uh, and, yes. and a very profound yes. sense of a European culture to your institution. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think that's one of the things that I would... You know, when reflecting on that diversity piece, of course we have you know, a hugely diverse student population, um, but but I do feel that those elements are, are being diluted in terms of that that European dimension and perspective, um, and and of course we still have visiting groups from from Europe. We have a lot of um, conferencing and events that we still are hosting that are that are bringing um, young people across from from um, the continent to, in, into into the UK, but. But I, I feel that um, it is something that you know is a is a is a loss for us. And, um, and have you lost research money? Um, well, research. Uh, we, we did have significant um, research funding from the European uh, Research Council, and um, and our colleagues were were particularly successful uh, in, in you know achieving um, grant success through that route. But of course, with all of the uncertainty around um, affiliation with, with Horizon, the Horizon scheme, I mean, it's just meant that, that colleagues, of course, are wary about where they're applying and what they're applying for and who they're applying with. Um, and I think it's it's um, really impacted again on that um, ability to, to be able to access that kind of funding with those kinds of um, collaborators. And, and yet again, a huge disappointment. And, um, and, and something that we, we had hoped would be resolved, Eric. Um, mm. It just feels that at the moment it's going in a, a very negative direction in terms of the ability of UK researchers. And is yeah. that the same for staff, Karen? Yes. Have you, yeah. 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 you mean, have staff I, who've gone back to the main, the European mainland saying... Yeah, I yeah, can... A number of colleagues have, have chosen to... I mean, people are, are, are always kind of... Um, there's always some movement across the, the, the sector, um, but there have been a number of colleagues who've chosen to go back to, to um, it, mainland Europe. 
because of because of the changes around around Brexit. And again, hugely hugely sad for us when when colleagues feel that 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 decision that we took uh, in, in 16, 2016 has meant that they no longer feel able to to work in the UK and to to be part of the UK higher education sector. I know. Do you find, you know, when I travel around Europe, the further away you get from the UK, the less important Brexit appears to be. So, <laughs> so yeah. you know, in the very best way, the French have taken this quite personally. I mean, yeah. I, you, you get the impression. Actually, I don't blame them, to be honest with no, you. No. And, uh, and uh, yeah. when you go down to Italy, there's less importance. I mean, yeah. am, I, am I caricaturing it or is that how you find it? Well, I think I think it all, all depends on the on the, the, the relationships, doesn't it? And I think that um, there are the, there's the geographical um, relationship that you know, it depends how close you are and what the interactions were and the relationships that you have as to how you then feel about not being part of it anymore. Um, so yes, I, I think there must be uh, ranges of views and experiences right across Europe as to the impact that, that Brexit has had. And that will all be dependent on what the relationships were and collaborations and partnerships that and, and sure. what the benefits were seen to be um, of, of being part of the of, of the UK, being part of, of the EU and that have been lost now. Um, and and for some that would mean more than it does for others, and um, and it's probably expressed in some of the ways that you've articulated. Sure, I do. I mean, it's a rather cruel question, but I mean, could you identify anything that's good that's happened as a result? I mean, I don't think we thought in prospect <laughs> that Brexit was a good idea for HE at all. I, I mean, I, I I'm not articulating anything I didn't articulate no, no, before no, no. the I, referendum. I, I think that um, I think. Higher education across the UK um, was was very pro pro Europe, um, and um, and has been hugely disappointed by both the outcome of the referendum mm. and then the subsequent um, consequences. I know that's not a view that is held um, universally, and, um, and of course we're all free to to hold our our views and positions. Um, but I, I do feel that um, we've we've not, you know, in many ways um, seen any particular benefits of not being in the EU. Um, oh, no. So, think, so you know, and I, I say that as as someone who is very open to to being persuaded and and wanting benefits. Um, but I, I'm not sure that we've particularly seen anything um, that is really a step change or significant um, over the last few years. I mean, just as a, an aside, but an interesting aside, uh, I, I did a podcast with Steve Smith, right. and um, you know, who's our international education yes. champion. Yes. And yes. of course, we've seen a massive influx from uh, Indian students yes. as international yes. students. Yes. And that was because Boris Johnson decided to allow them to do post-study work. Yes. And that was yes. what transformed that flow, you yes. know. Yes. So often you don't quite know what's working in in why yes. students will come to an yes. uh, yes. to yes. universities yes. or not. And yes. and yes. he he reckoned that that was the most powerful reason we've seen yes. this re increase. Yes. Yeah, that change to the to the the, the, the sort of visa um, routes and the opportunities post graduation uh, do make a difference, I believe, to the choices that that people make and. Um, as we know, international students are a, a really important part of um, UK higher education, and um, 
you know, it's something we must absolutely um, continue, continue to do. Absolutely. So I don't know if you saw the workforce planning uh, uh, thing that was trailed <laughs> for, for the medical and uh, clinical workforce that was trailed in the last two days, but, you know, increased nurses by 35,000 or something uh, and increased yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, doctors by 15,000 a year and let's have eight new medical schools. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, as if somehow or other that can transform things overnight, Karen, which yeah, we know I'm... only too well. Uh, can't but the uh, I I always used to joke with the presidents of American universities that the person that terrified the most was the dean of medicine you know <laughs> huge research budgets often running great big hospitals and a, a medical school does alter a university there's no question and you and you're one of the new medical schools yeah, that yeah, you've yeah. Uh, just yeah. set up and I just wondered it, it, it must be full of opportunity, of course. Yeah. And, and I just wondered how, how it had been over the last yeah. two to three yeah. years. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I think oh, Kent Medway Medical School has been one of the things that I'm particularly proud of in terms of my, my tenure here at Kent. Um, having, having arrived um, in 2017, had some prior conversations with colleagues about this because... Um, they um, recognised there was an opportunity that was likely to come through in terms of um, government um, announcements around increasing the, the number of medical school places and that there was likely to be an opportunity to establish some new medical schools on, on the back of that. I think um, the county of Kent had been particularly um, affected by not having a medical school mm. um, in that um, it was becoming very difficult to recruit and retain a healthcare workforce, a medical workforce in particular. And there were some really challenging issues around um, health outcomes, uh, particularly in our coastal communities, um, that we know um, from past experience that if you intervene by putting a medical school in that situation, right. you can actually change the way that um, people think about wanting to live and work in a region and have a career in medicine and healthcare in that region because the medical school by being based in that region means that people have studied and lived and worked in the region and are more likely to stay. Um, having a medical school means that colleagues who work in those services, health and clinical services, um, are also able to be involved in teaching and research, and that is great in terms of enhancing a, a career um, and, and uh, somebody's um, working day, actually, because it's mm. very and, um, and challenging. Um, and we know as well, if you put a medical school in, a, in an environment, you can start to change um, people's health outcomes because of all of the interconnectedness of, of having um, a, a, an environment in which people want to come and, and, and work and contribute to those healthcare services. So, so Kent had missed out on that for a number of number of years, and so this was a huge opportunity. And Eric, I have to say, I can't fault the the support that both universities. This is a Kent Medway Medical School. There's a joint collaboration between the University of Kent and Canterbury Christchurch University. Um, when we we were putting the the bid together, we had nothing but support from our um, city councils, county council, all of our local MPs, all of the NHS trust um, 
platforms um, the bid that went in i've never seen such a, a set of supporting letters um right. it was absolutely fantastic the county absolutely wanted this and, and has backed it a hundred percent um we were utterly delighted when we got the news in 2018 that we've been successful for um setting up the medical school with a hundred places um, of course, that didn't come with any additional funding. We get the funding for the students, but we had no setup costs. So we've had to, to fund that through the two universities and the support from, from the region, through the Local Enterprise Partnership, from the NHS, from trusts and foundations, um, and from individual donors. And through that, we've been able to, to raise about 25 million um, to support both the capital costs and the uh, revenue costs as part of the setup. And I'd just like to, to say a huge thank you to our to our donors who support a um, significant number of scholarships for our for our students. And Eric, that can be an individual, or it can be we've had district councils, Medway Council funds a, a specific Medway scholarship. I mean, to have that level of support has just been wonderful. So mm. it, it's been a great initiative for the county. I think if you talk to NHS colleagues, they would say already it's had an impact on the way that when they're recruiting the new staff, new consultants, for example, that they would be saying, we also know you've got a medical school now and we want to be involved in part of that. And that's that's huge in terms of the impact already. We're in, we're in year three of um, delivering the programme opened in 2020. Um, and I just think it's, you know, it, it's been great for the county, but it's also been great for both universities because I think it's brought... Um, a completely fresh and new way of being able to deliver something collaboratively, but to draw on the individual strengths of the universities. And I think that's something that, whilst challenging, of course, um, working across institutions is never straightforward, but um, that has been one of the things that we've been most pleased about but also kind of I mean and, and and one of the great fortunes for this initiative is that they had a vice chancellor at the University of Kent who was an old NHS hand <laughs> and there are two things I, I was going to bring up about introducing in inverted commas the NHS into a university world first yeah. of all NHS culture is very very yeah. different yeah. to university yeah. culture and I'd be interested in your observation you know you and I know how to navigate yeah. NHS yeah. culture yeah. but if you were a historian yeah. it would appear like a foreign land yeah. to you yeah. Yeah. Uh, and secondly what always struck me was that the rate of change in the NHS is yeah. unbelievably rapid and yeah. you know yeah. things happen bang 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 and yeah. events occur and 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 at a rate that just doesn't happen like that yeah. in universities. Yeah. And so suddenly you've got this one aspect of yeah. your universe, uh, yeah. university that's behaving in a yeah. really I mean, rather different way. I, I, I think that's a really good way to describe it. And that can be, like, like you say, a real kind of culture challenge when you've got this entity that is both new, so it's in setup phase, so you're having to do things differently, you're having to think about things in ways that... Um, you might not necessarily have thought about before. So um, I, I think that whole challenge to systems, challenge to decision-making speeds, challenge to, well, we don't normally do it like this. You know, there's a there's, there's been that constant um, challenge that can create friction at times. So I think I think um, it's also though how you turn that into, well, what do we learn about this in terms of how, how to set up something that's not only about working across two institutions and bringing something new into those institutions, but it's also 
absolutely got to be delivered in partnership with this other organisation, which mm. as you say, is very different. I mean, the NHS is huge. Um, it's got its own challenges in terms of um, workforce issues, finance issues, um, issues about you know it, its kind of form and function. Um, and we have to interface with that because of course our students are spending a significant amount of their time in those institutions in the NHS as part of their clinical learning. So I think I think one of the things we've found um, really helpful is the fact that there is a, um, a, a way in which we've tried as part of the senior leadership team to uh, and been invited on, we've imposed ourselves on, but we've been invited onto those trust boards that we work with the largest trusts in the, in the region. Um, and that's been hugely helpful for just understanding you know, what's happening in each organisation and building the relationships. Because I think, Eric, as you, you've alluded to, actually a lot of this is built on relationships and sure. the ability to, to navigate the different worlds. But you can only do that if you've got a relationship and therefore can build an understanding. Um, so, yes, you're right. I did have an advantage in that I came from, came from that background. And... Um, that that has uh, I hope been hugely helpful, but um, I think it's been um, particularly um, important that we recognise the role that the medical school and the staff and the dean have played um, in the significant legwork that they've had to put in oh, building relationships because of all the all the placements in GP practices are incredibly varied and different, and then the the more acute settings and. Um, Yes, it's been it's been a, a, a real challenge as well as a joy. I mean, it's just been great. I bet you. And has it allowed you? We're, we've got about three or four minutes left, Karen. Right. Right? <laughs> <laughs> has it allowed you to build a different kind of curriculum, a different interdisciplinarity? I mean, have you have you built your curriculum up from the base, or did well, you take somebody else's and and kind of? Modify? Yeah, we our partner medical school, because of course, you know, with a new medical school, you have to have a, a partner school until you're fully accredited. And that won't be until our graduates uh, come through in 2025. So we're um, really pleased to be working with Brighton and Sussex Medical School. So we have to use, broadly use their curriculum. But one of the reasons we chose Brighton and Sussex was because it had a very strong community focus, public primary right. care, and also had um, uh, a great way of engaging with, with students in terms of the way that that curriculum was constructed and then the way that they took student feedback and fed that through in a really consistent way. So um, I, I think it's it's meant that we've been able to you know, use a curriculum that very much resonated with the approach we wanted to take, which was about access and it was about um, community. Um, but then actually having the medical school has meant that we've taken opportunities to think about um, the approach we take to learning and teaching, which is very much a digital first approach. So we've been quite innovative in the way that we've been delivering the curriculum. Of course, there's face-to-face, -face, but it's about providing that content digitally so students get access wherever they are, and particularly when they're on placements, that's been incredibly helpful. And the other piece, as you quite rightly say, is around interdisciplinarity. So making sure that these students are not just learning with other medical students, but that they're exposed to um, students right across, and across both universities as well, which is, it, it just means it's hugely diverse. And then what's coming through next is, is an opportunity to look at research. And uh, yes. we've just had some funds to um, 
set up a chair in uh, coastal and rural healthcare, which is just fantastic because it absolutely resonates with what we need here in, in Kent in terms of a focus on research around those health outcomes in those communities. Right, fantastic. I, I, just as an aside, I was rather intrigued by the workforce recommendation that you could be uh, a, a clinical nurse specialist, but also be part-time studying uh, to um, to become a you know to 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 work towards finals in medicine, yes, uh, yes. and and actually uh, graduate as a doctor. I mean, it was just an intriguing, uh, yeah. and, and that it didn't it didn't spook the medical establishment, which really yeah, surprised. Yeah. No, no, I think there's a lot more. Um innovation and creativity now coming through in terms of how do we educate a workforce for delivering healthcare in the future and, sure. and I think that, you know um i feel that you know actually in the future we do have to start to look at uh, how do we some of these professional boundaries are going to be much more blurred and that doesn't sure. take anything away from the you know huge importance of, of those individual professions but i think increasingly it's about how do you bring things together to, to deliver Healthcare that's needed in the 21st century, which I think is is uh, going to be yeah uh, quite challenging going forward. It is a, a lot about um, care, public health, care, care and, and delivering care at home and community, and, and and looking after frail frail um, older people, which we will all well, be. Karen... <laughs> <laughs> well, Karen, our time has come. The one thing I can tell from just the way you're speaking and from your body language that there's really loads of fabulous challenges at Kent and that uh, it's a wonderful university and a wonderful place with some particular issues for Kent EU new medical school size but but, uh, it's a pleasure to talk about it I I feel hugely privileged to be vice chancellor here and um, yes it's uh, it's been something that can be a a real joy Um, a real joy thank you for thank you for and allowing me to have the conversation. Yes, right. And uh, I, I did recommend to you that you should um, you should go to the Pig Hotel near Canterbury. Yes, have, yes. have you I been have there been. yet? Yes, yes. Great food and a nice <laughs> atmosphere. <laughs> yes, yeah, no, thanks very much indeed. No, Fantastic thank you, to, talk to, you. Pleasure to talk to you. Visit studiosity.com/studentsfirst for the next Students First Symposium an open forum for faculty, staff and academics to candidly discuss and progress the issues that matter most in higher education.